You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, it's just about the beginning of the marathon that is basketball season from the NCAA to the NBA. There are hundreds and hundreds of games to watch in much fewer days. So the question is, from a Canadian basketball perspective, who are the players to watch? To help me that answer that question, I've recruited my former coach and basketball savant, John McAloon. Coach McAloon eats, sleeps, breathes, whatever you want to say, basketball, especially at the college level. But I should uh, say before we start the interview that he does have a bit of a Duke bias. So uh, just uh, be aware of that. And that brings me to my first question, which is, is it true that you named your son JJ after the Duke basketball star? Uh, well, uh, first of all, I'm excited to be uh, to be here on your podcast, Phil. I've uh, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast, and uh, and about uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm a big Duke fan. So JJ um, is probably my favorite Duke player, uh, right up there with a few of the guys that uh, in the early '90s when I started following Duke, uh, I've always been a big fan. So um, JJ, um, I probably had to convince my wife, but yeah, she was uh, she was a fan as well. So that uh, it was a little bit of that, and uh, and a little bit of uh, we like the the full name too. <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, so who are the uh, – you all obviously follow a lot of college basketball. Who are some of the big Canadians to watch this year? Well, I, I, I enjoy I enjoy college basketball, but I also enjoy basketball uh, in Canada. And I've been really excited over the last um, decade really to see the growth that's happened at, uh, at the grassroots level in, 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 uh, in high school. And really you think of um, Corey Joseph and his brother DeVoe and just that kind of really started uh, – a trend with Tristan Thompson and that kind of fed down into the NCAA and the AU ball that they played and they were at Finley prep. And, and then now I'd say you'd see a big transition now to where we have a lot of students that uh, Canadian high school students that are going south of the border for, um, for high school, but not only south of the border, now we've really created uh, over the last couple of years, uh, a strong high school system here in Canada, especially in Ontario um, with the OBA open up kind of that 4A league um, and as well um, kind of a prep league. And so um, NPA, the North Pole, uh, has opened kind of their academy across uh, across Canada. We have RNS here in, in, in New Brunswick that, that plays in that as well. Um, and it's really raised the profile and raised the level of basketball and the talent. Um, I think uh, the skill athleticism is there, but now there's opportunities for these kids to really be able to play at a high level. And and so it's exciting to see this. It's translation trans, uh Leading to you know top players going to the NCAA, and that's what I'm excited to talk to you about today is to see these Canadians and to um, you know who's kind of the next up and coming guys who's going to excel at the university, but also who's going to excel at the NBA, right? And it's it's kind of uh, kind of exciting to discuss that. So um, I'll ask you, who are you most excited for? Who's the number one? Um, probably this year. Um, there'll be a couple. I, I I'm really excited to see Justin Jackson um, because here's a guy who you know was right on the bubble last year going in the NBA draft. Um, he's got good size, good athleticism, um, and just kind of seeing if he can kind of raise that profile at Maryland. Maryland's going to have a, you know, they lost a couple key guys. Um, Trimble, I know, graduated. And so, um, you know, maybe he'll have a little more ownership as a sophomore, hopefully have that confidence coming back, have gone through some of the process of the NBA draft where he walks, uh, you know, walks in and, and really takes his game to another level. And, you know, I, I think he could be definitely in the first round next year. So what does that look like for him? So he's definitely one that I'm excited for. Um, Kobe McEwen, who's a, a great guard um, at Utah State, had a great season last year, averaged in the low teens. 
Um, but I think he could take another step with his game and uh, and and definitely be in the high um, in in the high teens, maybe in low low twenties. And uh, that's uh, that's that's a Utah State has, does does very well within their conference. They're definitely one of the top teams. Duke's played them in the last couple of years, even. Um, and and you know, it's, they're recognized for you know being well coached, well uh, um, well a strong team. Um, that would kind of be the returning players. Um, for a lot of freshmen coming in, we have a great group of guys coming out of Canada this year that are freshmen. And so um, the Cousins, the Alexander, um, we got, um, now I don't know exactly how they always say them, the Shea Alexander at Kentucky. And let's be honest, when you talk about college basketball, Kentucky's right there. As much as I'm a Duke fan, um, you, you got to say that no one recruits. Um, there, there's not many teams that can recruit with Calipari. And so um, Shea Alexander's going to come in there and have a great chance to be a, a guard. The reviews over the last month of him in practice are coming back very positive. So I'm interested to see how he does. He's got good size, 6'5". Um, and then his cousin, who actually is ranked higher in a lot of places than him at Virginia Tech. Um, and so uh, both of them, good athleticism. They played in the Hoop Summit. Um, and, uh, and just kind of seeing what they're, what those two guards are going to do would be uh, um, kind of uh, fun to see. The other one, we got to see the summer. Candy won the medal, gold medal. How awesome was that? Um, and, and really R.J. Baird, who goes into high school or goes into college a year from now, um, really his right-hand man was, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce it, but Abu Kigab, but I don't know how you pronounce it right. But he's at Oregon, and Oregon loves to get out and run. You think of Dylan Brooks last year. Um, I really think Oregon's Oregon's looking for him to take that role, and I, and I think they're very similar. I think they're they, they can shoot the. He's not scared to shoot the three. He's athletic, likes to rebound well, rebounds well outside even his zone, um, and I think you're going to see a, a very similar result with him this year. And so I think a lot of people. He's on the West Coast. You maybe don't hear about him as much, but I, I think that's a name to to kind of follow as well. Um, so those would be kind of uh, some of the freshmen. We can really look at it, the of the who's who. Um, Christian David, I'm a Butler fan. I've always loved Butler. That kind of tough. They just they just win. They just win. So Christian David, who's uh, who's going to Butler this year. Syracuse has a couple. Oh, O'Shea Brissett, solid guy. I mean, I think he played um, up at uh, either Orangeville Prep or Athlete Institute last year. Um, and he's um, he's got he's got great coaching. Has some good intangibles there. And so six seven, you know, that kind of small forward. Um, size and so I think he's gonna have a good year and then the point guard at Syracuse Howard Washington um, same thing came through a very similar school um, with Athlete Institute and uh, and so I think you know Kanita Syracuse has that kind of Canadian um, um, kind of train that comes down there every few years and they've always got some Canadians so a couple guys there um, and then Lindell um, Wiggington neat uh, you know guy from the east coast and Nova Scotia's had some um, had some great success with him and Nate Darling, uh, Darling down in uh, um, Alabama, Birmingham, um, and so um, Lindell, uh, I, I like him. I got to, I watched every game this summer. The Canadian team, and he's just tough. He's got that kind of that grit to him, and I I love guys that kind of uh, just grind and and make guys compete on the defensive and offensive end, and, uh, and so I think he's going to be a great fit for Iowa State. We think of Naz Long was there last year graduating. Um, same thing, had some great Canadians. Melvin Edgem went through Iowa State. Um, so they've kind of got a Canadian kind of um, connection as well. Them, Oregon, you think of those are two schools that have definitely um, benefited from Canadians over the last couple of years. So those are a few that just quickly come to mind. I know already on your podcast you've talked to Danilo um, going to Harvard. Um, I think he's he's got a great potential as a stretch four. There's a guy that's you know, got decent size, can really shoot the ball, um, 
They've got Corey Johnson as well that's already there from Canada um, who can really shoot the ball as well. And uh, so I'm excited. Uh, for those that don't know, Harvard's coach is a former Duke player. Uh, and so, of course, I always, uh, I always gotta, I always gotta follow, uh, follow Harvard because of, because uh, of Tommy Amaker. So, um, so yeah. So it's kind of neat, uh, neat to see the Harvard connection that way. Now Pittsburgh has a couple Canadians coming in. Marcus Carr, who played at Montverde Academy last year with uh, R.J. Barrett um, as point guard, but he's, um, he's kind of recovering from uh, missed uh, quite a bit of the last. Um, year due to due to surgery had a, I believe it was a knee injury and he got back last year and, and did well but I still think he's strengthened I think he's still recovering from missing a, almost a whole year of his career right and so um, Pittsburgh is uh, definitely had a couple of struggles the last couple of years in the ACC so what's that going to look like for him to come in and, and being a freshman is he going to get much opportunity to get minutes and um same thing i saw a few things over the last couple of days reviews on him that these they've actually been very pleased with him in practice so um he's definitely used to competing at a high level in high school when you play for montverde academy you're playing one of if not the toughest uh, you know basketball schedules in uh, in the country so he's gone up against good teams good guards um and i think so i i look for him to have a solid four-year career at uh, at pittsburgh who of all those names you just mentioned who do you think is uh will be most likely to see in the final four next year is there anybody who uh could be making it there that's uh, well, and that that's a great question because I think you have to then not necessarily look necessarily at the player, but at the team, and uh, definitely Kentucky. Uh, I think it would be um, Kentucky just reloads. I mean, they're always one or two in class recruiting, and um, and so definitely Shea Alexander um, is definitely going to have a, a good group of guys around him this year. Um, their Kentucky is going to struggle maybe a little bit on the offensive end, I think, for a little bit till they kind of get their um, their team worked out defensively. Oh my word, they're huge, they're tall, athletic. So, and, and I got to say, Cal Perry's done very good with his teams, even for his one and dones to play good defense. And so, um, they definitely would be uh, definitely a strong team this year. Um, trying to think of who else really is is a top team. Um, Maryland may be in the top 25. I don't know if they're necessarily a, a Final Four team, um, but uh, but definitely they uh, you know they they have the potential, right? And they play in a great conference in the Big Ten, so um, so it'd be good to see them. And I think even uh, Virginia Tech, I, I could see them getting into the top 25 this year. I I, I think they're a team that's. Uh, they get sneak, and if you're in the top 25, then anything can happen in March Madness. We've ever learned that. Um, it takes, you know, it takes really four good games, and you're in the final. You're in the final four, right? And so, um, but besides that, I, I I think the rest of them, it's going to be a lot of guys that are that are probably four-year guys, four-year career guys, and uh, um, it'll be neat to kind of see them. I think that a lot of them are going to get an opportunity to get some minutes and, and have a chance to be, you know, to have an impact with for their teams this year. Are any of those guys potential uh, NBA talents, or do you think for them it's going to be more uh, colleges where they'll shine? Actually, for a lot of the the top guys that I mentioned over the next three years, and you look at uh, Draft Express, who's really been one of the top uh, um, draft uh, rankings for the next few years, a lot of these Canadians. So, for example, I talked with Justin Jackson, the the um, Nikolai Alexander and Shea Alexander, uh, Abu K- Kebab, uh, or Lindell Wigginson. They're actually all listed in, in um, future NBA drafts. So they're all on those mock draft boards. Um, so that speaks, that's that's pretty impressive to uh, to have. I mean, and we're only talking about this batch of freshmen. We're not even talking about the next year or the next future years who also have some up-and-coming Canada's, some kids that are no question that are going to be in the top, uh, not just in the draft, potentially in the lottery. And, you know, I mean, that, that speaks volumes when they're getting into the lottery draft as well.
And what about on the women's side? Who are the people to watch there? Well, it's, I mean, the, the lady that just jumps out to everyone is Kia Nurse. I mean, and she's just had a fabulous career so far at, at Connecticut. And, um, I mean, just amazing end last year for them to have their, their streak broken. Um, but but what a what a program, right? And then, and then to be the point guard, really to be the uh, – um, to be the one that's really the engine behind that team and how it runs. And she's had a great career already with them and with our Canadian national team. So I think that um, that she's definitely the person to watch out for. We were talking a few minutes ago about, uh, about the up-and-coming uh, next face, I really think, or maybe even that'll be with Kia for the next few years for our national team, um, Letitia, out of, uh, out of uh, Oakville, Ontario, and just uh, six foot three, Duncan already in, uh, in a high school game. And, uh, um, I mean, she played with our national team this summer and the exposure experience that she's getting already. And I think we said, what, she's ranked top two in the 2019 class of North America by ESPN. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's amazing. That's exciting to, to not just see on the men's side, but to see the, the, the women's side, the high school coming through and really going to, you know, going to have that opportunity to shine in the NCAA as well. And uh, on the men's side, one name a lot of people are talking about and they're waiting uh, in a month. We're going to find out the big news about R.J. Barrett. He's got uh, three universities he could potentially go to. Tell me what you think about those. Well, he's he's narrowed it down about a week ago to um, down to three teams. So he's down to Duke, Kentucky, and Oregon, um, and and really those are three uh, three great programs. You think of Oregon; it's had a great um, um, Canadian pipeline with Chris Boucher last you know well, the last couple of years, and then uh, obviously um, we had uh, Dylan Brooks, we had Dylan Ennis, um, and so they just have had great success with Canadians already. So there's that connection. One of their assistant coaches. Um, is Canadian and has that connection to uh, to Canada. So there's that kind of trust that's been built, right? And so you have Kentucky, who's obviously had Jamal Murray, Trey Lyles, um, and and obviously they, they recruit well, do a great job with one-and-dones. And we all know that R.J. Barrett's going to be one-and-done. And so it's kind of where does he go and really look to play that one year. And then Duke, um, I really think Duke and Kentucky are just recruiting at another level compared to really everyone else um, and, and have just done a great job with their one-and-dones. And so um, so I think it's a tough decision. I Personally, of course, I hope he goes to Duke. Or why would I? You know, I'd love to always get the best players. And and being the fact that he's Canadian would be awesome too. And one thing we'll throw out there: uh, I personally think he will pick Duke. Um, just that's just my own personal. But um, it's it's been kind of known that he was a Duke fan growing up, and so uh, so it'll be neat to play out. But at the end of the day, him him and uh, his dad obviously is is a very wise man. Dad played for St. John's, has that exposure experience in the NCAA. Um, and his dad's going to obviously in his family, they're going to make a decision that's best for them and they need to and that uh, where they're comfortable, where they feel that they're going to um, flourish and uh, and probably really feel that get challenged for that one year in college. So exciting. What a great uh, summer he had with Canada basketball. And, you know, I'm really excited. I, I think he's kind of got that killer instinct that you like to see in a player that uh, um, just wants to, that drive to, to win, compete. And so um, I'm excited to see, uh, see how he plays out. And, uh, of course, hopefully he'll pick Duke uh, in a month from now. Do you think, I mean, I've heard after that uh, gold medal uh, run Canada had, there was a lot of talk about R.J. Barrett even being, uh, this is a little ahead, but um, being the first overall pick in the in the NBA draft once he's done in college. Do you think that's a realistic expectation? Uh, yes. I mean, in many drafts, that's that's who they have as number one right now. And I think... Uh, 
I think it's going to be, um, you know, sometimes it's a it's a blend of some teams are trying to find the right fit, and there's three guys that everyone has a hard time deciding who it is, and so what's that team need? And um, and uh, but there's no question of his talent level right now of being a top three, and so hopefully he'll continue to hone that. He'll have a great uh, college career and. Uh, um, and it'd be great. I mean, to to be the number one overall draft pick, another Canadian. We've been, you know, fortunate to have a few already, and so um, to add another, no question. Because in that same class we're talking about, but there's also um, that future draft class, which I believe is 2019 draft class. Um, Simi Shitu as well has. Uh, I mean, he's he's a top ten. So here's here's two Canadians that are in the lottery draft for that year. I mean, that's uh, that's amazing, right? So. Um, and he's just an explosive um, six eight six nine uh, forward, who, very athletic. Has same thing. Has that drive, that compete level um, that just set them that tenacity that sets them apart. And so, really excited. He's down to three. He's down to uh, UNC Vanderbilt, and I'm gonna forget who the third uh, the third one else is. It might be Indiana or something like that. I, I forget who his third team is. But same thing. He's he's setting up his visits right now, and he's gonna hopefully be signed here in the next little bit. Hopefully not UNC. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so yeah. So it's it's great. Andrew Nembard, great point guard, um, six foot four at Montford Academy. Just selected Florida Gators um, about a week ago, and so um, the pipeline. I, I mean, we talk about you know the NCAA, but it's amazing Canada basketball how that's parlaying into these Canadians going south of the border. And um, every year we're just putting, I really say, ten players, imp- impact players, not just not just you know role players not coming. These are actually impact freshmen that are going to come in and contribute. Um, they might not all start, but they're going to get serious. I mean, their coaches are really depending on them to contribute to the success of the team. Um, and I don't see that changing. When you look at last weekend, Canada basketball had a group of um, the under uh, 16 and maybe under 18 um, Canada ID camps. I mean, the names that are there, these kids, I mean, these kids are, you know, they're 15, 16, 17-year-olds that are being talked about in the U.S., right now about where they're going to be going to college i mean so there there's a there's a recognition already of the talent that's being developed in canada um and 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 i mean you're seeing it right from the international game at the jordan brand a lot of kids like jamal murray went and was the mvp and we uh terrible and forget the guy's name but um was there we had another canadian who was the mvp this past year and uh, and so i patterson I, addison patterson and there's uh, another another uh, one who played on our under 16 team this summer just great talents like there's these these guys are are, are going to be recruited by the blue bloods of of ncaa and so that's still two or three years down the road but how exciting that they're already being identified uh in that regard so for sure so should the raptors uh start tanking for that 2019 draft already or <laughs> yeah well i i i i, I kind of wonder if the uh i kind of wonder if the gm didn't set that up on purpose all those three-year contracts to uh yeah. to maybe you know can wheel and deal and make some trades to uh, to do something because the reality is um you, you, we can go on dort uh ignis like there's just there's tons of tons of canadians coming through and i mean it's been great i, I really think having Corey joseph on the raptors the last couple of years has been Let's be honest, he's good enough. It's not a question of talent, but I think it was also good for the community to have a Canadian. Um, 
at the end of the day, their job is to make sure that their team's successful. We all want the Raptors to do well. It's great if a Canadian comes alongside, right? And um, and so I think that the more Canadians that become a part of the NBA, I mean, already we're the number two team um, or the number two country, you know, as far as Europeans or not Europeans, sorry, uh, as far as uh, international um, makeup of, of the NBA, and that's that's not going to decrease. That's only going to go up. I mean, I. Every year we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have more and more joining in, and so um, I think you're gonna see a, a definite ch- increase or chance that the that the Raptors would take one or two, and not because oh we just want a Canadian, because this Canadian can actually help us win. This Canadian can actually make us um, a better team, and so whether that's like an Andrew Wiggins or is that uh, um, you know a Kelly Olnick, uh, you know there's just so many of them, right? That uh, at the end of the day they just gotta make a make a decision on what's best best for the for the team. I was really, really hoping uh, uh, last last draft that uh, Jamal Murray would drop a little bit and he'd fall to the Raptors at nine, but I uh, yes. wasn't so lucky. But I think if one of those guys, you take a Jamal Murray or uh, Andrew Wiggins or uh, on the off chance and R.J. Barrett, mm-hmm. if those guys were in Toronto, they would be uh, pretty huge stars. Yes, yes, and and I think I think you're going to um, I think it's going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen over the next couple of years where one of those kids is is going to be just in the right spot or a trade's going to happen, something that's going to open that up. And uh, but there's also that balance. I often look at that and say, is there where there's more pressure? Like I you, sometimes you can care so much, right? And they come in, they they feel the burden of just trying to be themselves and develop and grow as a player. Then there's also the burden of can I carry the burden of my whole country that wants to win? It's kind of like in hockey, the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And sometimes they say it's harder to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Montreal Canadiens because if you're from Ontario, you're from Quebec, and that burden of trying to to, to kind of lift the team to that kind of level of, uh, you know, to win a championship, it's you're, you're double. It's like double, right? So so I, I kind of get that too sometimes. It's nice to go and develop somewhere, develop the skill, the talent. Then when you come in, there's a confidence, a, an experience to help that. So, um, But the talent's coming. The talent, regardless, <laughs> our pipeline, the development in Canada, that's, I'm really excited. And uh, and so I love March. I mean, I love March Madness. I love the NCAA. I love to see the Canadians um, play well and do well. And of that, there's no question. I was looking through just a um, the last couple of days of how many Canadians have been playing in the NCAA and it listed the men and women and um, I forget the exact number of it but I, I want to say it was well over 70 70 um, 70 80 that were that were playing down there last year and these were you know they're playing for a lot of strong strong programs programs that are that are really excelling in the different conferences so um, so it's neat to see and it's neat to see as well I'm you know, like a Wigington and his brother played for Buffalo UB and uh, him going to Iowa State and uh, um, neat this summer to have two two Nova Scotia players on our under 19 who medal right gold medal and I mean so kind of uh, as much as I'm proud of Canada it's kind of nice to see some uh, some of these kids coming out of uh, out of the East Coast and and doing well right and it gives us hope here even New Brunswick um, our programs we you know we had some really great games this summer at the under 17 nationals lost some close games but we've got some kids coming up that you know that uh, that really are, are developing and even from our standpoint in my you know our school our future and our, our goal to you know sometime future have a, a prep program right to to contribute to that so that's an exciting part of our hopeful future as well and now chance to look a bit at the uh, NBA who are if you could pick three guys to for fans to focus on this season who would it be um, well, Wiggins has had, you know, Wiggins has really progressed the last three years. I mean, his points per game have gone up. Uh, he plays definitely for a defensive coach. Uh, I'd like to see a little more effort from him on the defensive end because I know he can do it. The athleticism's there. Um, 
because he, he puts a lot of pressure on the on the teams on the offensive end, but it'd be great for him to really use that athleticism and buy in and compete because um, he definitely he definitely has that that star capability, right? And it just it just takes both ends of the floor, and, and they've got some experience. He's got some guys around him who can really play defense this year. When uh, from the Bulls. Um, who did they pick up this year? Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. I mean, I love Jimmy Butler. There's a guy who competes, right? And so I, I, I'd love to see him take a little maybe more of that identity on himself, right? Because I really think that would uh, – I'd love to see Minnesota do well. And I think make the playoffs, that'd be a good step. Carl Towns, obviously, is a, is a, is a great talent as well. So so um, Andrew Wiggins would be one. Jamal Murray, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what year two is. I hopefully he doesn't have a sophomore slump. I think he's uh, obviously got a little slowed last year with injuries. Um, but I think he has a – He's got a confidence to him that that I, I just think that over time in a year he just might take him three or four years. But I think Jamal Murray's a guy that's going to be um, someone that's going to be a star, and I think he's in the right setting. He's in a he's in a team right now where there's not the spotlight on him, the pressure. No one's expecting a ton out of Denver, right? And so can he kind of flourish? So he he would be one Wiggins. Um, I'll just uh, butt in there. You mentioned. Uh, Jamal Murray's confidence. I had interviewed him uh, about a couple months ago, and he was talking. To, we were talking about the uh, the Canada beating the U.S. at the U19 tournament, mm. and I said, "Look, is there any chance someday the we'll be able to beat the U.S. in the Olympics?" And he mm. said, "Well, as long as they got me on the team, there's a chance." Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. he's certainly not sh- not short on uh, confidence. No, no, and that's that's important. You know what? Like it's. Uh, when you're playing against the best players in the world, you you can't you can't lack on and from shooting all those types. Of, I mean, you, if you're defeated before you walk on the court, you're in trouble, right? And so it's um, I know some people say a cockiness maybe, but I, I think you have to have there's a very fine line between self confidence and cocky, and and that's uh, that's good. You've got to walk on and have that. So I, I think I think Jamal Murray, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, there's the rule guys. I really think that Tristan Thompson, Corey Joseph, Kelly Olnick, um, Trey Lyles. Um, Dwight Powell, Nick Stokas, they all kind of are role players, right? Like uh, Tristan Thompson, I mean, last year, like holds the stat for I think fewer fewest passes too for a starter, right? For the minutes he played, and, and but what a guy to compete on defense, rebound, um, set screens. He just he just does all the dirty work, right? Same with Corey Joseph. They're just kind of glue guys. Uh, you know, in college we often call both the top uh, the top glue guys. Uh, Billis does Jay Billis and I I kind of liked it like we have a lot of Canadians who are top glue guys on their teams and Kelly Olnick um I'd be interested to see how he does there's a guy in Miami that's gonna be a different opportunity you know Boston's kind of had a very Boston had a team that maybe the last couple years I know uh Isaiah was kind of their their star, but they had a lot of role players. Even their starters, just grinders. You could almost rotate guys off their bench. And so, where does he fit in in Miami? Is he going to get more shots? Is he going to be expected to play more of that? You know that uh, that role of uh, um, of a glue guy and just be the role player, and, or is he going to become maybe where they're going to need 15 points a game out of him to, or to get shots up on that? Like, because um, he can definitely he's a good stretch for. Um, just I'm I'm interested to see how Miami uses him. I think he's a, he's a guy that uh, because of the change, um, the new team, what that's going to look like. Yeah, well, in playoffs he had that one uh, terrific game. I think it was against Cleveland where he had 20 some points on them. He was uh, draining it from three, so that certainly bodes well. And and you wonder is that is that just a, a good game or is that is that what he's capable of? And I wonder if that's what Miami is hoping that he'll take that role and say, okay, we're going to run a little more offense through you. We're going to 
Um, we're going to stretch that floor out and really have it because you got Whiteside inside, you know, inside too, which you want to give him space to, to move, rebound, bring it, take another big away from uh, from him too. So uh, that's I'm 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 interested. I've kind of been trying to follow him and just check him out and saw a few games. Uh, Whiteside didn't play one game and they actually played him at the five only. So uh, in the preseason, so I'll be interested to see kind of what that looks like when they're the season starts and they're playing everyone and everyone's healthy. As I can recall, he kind of plays more of the the center position, at least here in Boston. Do you think it'll be a tough transition at all for him to go to the four? Well, and I I wonder if Miami's looking to go bigger. I wonder if Miami's trying to complement and uh, and say, you know, can we get a little bigger and have a stretch for right? Because awful tough in the NBA, the traditional two big guys inside. If you can't stretch that floor, it's it just makes it hard to to get anything on attacking, driving lanes, anything like that. So I I wonder if Miami's really going to look for him to play more of the four primarily and maybe a backup five. So, you know, at times when Whiteside's out, Olnick will slide down into the five and uh, and play that role. Maybe they'll put four guards around him and let him play the big. And if preseason's any indication, Whiteside uh, will probably uh, have some foul trouble every once in a while too. So that could help him as well. Uh, we'll end this with uh, the Toronto Raptors. I'll just get a quick uh, prediction from you. How do you think, where do you think's a realistic expectation for fans this season? Uh, I, to be honest, I think the Raptors are going to be anywhere from, you know what, I could see them being number one um, to all the way down number four. I really think they're going to be top four. I think there's a consistency there. I think there's a familiarity. Uh, um, I, I do like the pickup of, uh, of Miles. I, I think that gives them some outside shooting. Um, and I, I, I'm interested in kind of in seeing what Nor- uh, Russell does. Is that Norm Russell? No, not Norm Russell. No. What's, uh, Norman Powell. Norman Powell, thank you. Um, Powell. Like, I mean, seeing what Powell, um, I mean, he's, he's such a freak. Like, I mean, what an athletic guy. I mean, I love watching him. Can he add a little outside game? I like Toronto's Achilles heel. My word, I'll tell you one thing though. In the preseason, they're sure putting the three pointers up, <laughs> and it's and that's you know I think that's a good thing, but at the end of the day, you got to hit some. Like at the end of the day, you got to. And, and in today's NBA, the game has moved to more of that four out, one in type of thing, and four guys who can shoot it. You look at like the Draymond Green, and you know like sometimes he'll be the big, like he's the big, right? And so um, when they when they go to that kind of killer ball, and 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 so. I don't. The Raptors may be trying to emulate a little bit more of that, and so. Um, I, I. But I, I. I. think it really comes down to health. I think if Lowry is healthy um, and DeRozan are healthy, um, then I think they're gonna. They just have a nucleus there that is good enough to in the. I think in the Eastern Conference to be top four. Um, I, I'll be interested to see what happens with JV. What are they gonna do with him long term? Um, Ibaka, like they've invested in him, you know, like he, I don't know if he wasn't healthy last year. He, he seemed to me like he didn't have the mobility and the quickness, um, at the four position that I was kind of hoping. I don't know if that was his ankles or, or what the problem was, but, um, hopefully I'd like to, I mean, let's be honest, when he was with the Oklahoma there for a few years ago, man, like they're, I mean, I can remember some series that they played Oklahoma city and everyone was raving about, you know, Harden or uh, Westbrook and Durant. But Ibaka was was the big star in some of those games, and so can that can that happen for Toronto? I think I think for Toronto to come out of the East or to cause problems, they're going to need those three guys to play at another level, or they're going to need some of these bench guys, some of the surprise them, like Powell. They're going to need Powell to surprise them, um, and all of a sudden to uh, to give them something that they haven't had in the last couple of years. You mentioned all those threes. It's been interesting. They haven't hit a huge percentage of them, but they still scored pretty well in those games. Uh, just from your uh, basketball knowledge perspective, why, why is that? 
Well, it, sometimes, too, when you're shooting the three, if the team does defend them at all, it spaces the floor out, gives them a chance to rebound. You get big rebounds off three-pointers. Um, and I and I think the reality is um, there's no driving. Like, DeRozan is a slasher. Um, he, you know, he's got that mid-range game, but he likes to pull up, and he, but he's trying to attack. Lowry will shoot the three, no problem. There's, not, there's no question. But he also likes to penetrate, right? Um, and so the reality is if you don't shoot them, teams are going to really collapse off those guys. So if, if Powell doesn't shoot the three and DeRozan will shoot the three, the guys guarding them can jump off the ball even or jump you know off their man even farther. It just takes away, it just takes away penetration lanes, right? So I, I think at the end of the day, they have to. Now the reality is let's hope that they can start to shoot around the 40% range instead of the 20, 29% range, um, or it's going to make for a, a lot of close games that maybe shouldn't be as close as they, as they should be. Yeah, but I, I, I like it. I, I, I like I, I like what their GM has done because going into it, I wondered what type of contracts those guys were going to get this year. And I was worried they're going to end up with six, five, six years, um, and that's that just would have just would have hand tied them like for the future. And the reality is, in three years, they can re they can reset everything if they wanted to. And and you know what? That's a lot of teams aren't going to have that flexibility. So uh, I think kudos to him. I think he did a great job um, and gives that nucleus a year or two to say, okay, guys, let's see what you can do. Um, and if not, then then he, he'll have the flexibility because even if they have one year left, a lot of teams looking to dump you know dump off a contract. Some will pick them up for a draft pick. Say, hey, one year we've just unloaded a huge contract, right? So so it gives him that kind of freedom, like we've talked about. If he wants to get into the draft, he wants to do something. He's gonna have some. He's gonna have some good trading assets here, if if need be, if need be. Yeah. All right, and I'll just uh, that should do it for this. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on. Uh, I'll we'll be uh, also more basketball that we didn't mention, but I'll definitely be watching is uh, your high school team here at Fredericton Christian Academy. I'll be at a few of those games too. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Phil. It's been great. That was Jonathan McLoon, head coach of the Fredericton Christian Academy Eagles, my former coach, and what I would certainly consider a basketball expert. If you uh, liked what you heard on the show today, uh, that's great. You can leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you uh, are listening to this podcast. Give us a little bit of a five-star review. We'd appreciate that, that's for sure. And if you'd like to interact with the show, you can find me on Twitter, at Canada's Court. Or reach me by email, Podcast at gmail.com. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening.